Well, I want to be a God pleaser. And I want to try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. In fact, if we could look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10, this is my starter verse. This is the idea. And uh, I want to expand on it on a few points. And uh, as I speak about this, it'll, it'll paint targets for you and embolden you about certain areas that you want to build strength in. Uh, it says in verse 10, chapter 5 of Ephesians, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Can you read that out loud with me? Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And I like the attitude on it because it's not like I have arrived. It's not like I've got it all figured out. And it's also not inaccessible either. It's basically just saying, this is something that I want to develop, I want to learn, I want to exercise, I want to walk in. And according to these verses, this verse, uh, pleasing the Lord is within the reach of all of us. I want to, before I break down my, my six points, I want to, I want to start with uh, an interesting point in the book of Hebrews. So let's go to the book of Hebrews and we'll look at chapter 11. And uh, I'm doing some Old Testament miracles, and this is a kind of an interesting one. It's about a man named Enoch, and in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it says, uh, first of all, in, in verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please him. So then we know right up ahead that having faith and trust in God will please him, but this is fascinating. Verse 5, the preceding verse, says, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, look at this, what was he doing? He was pleasing to God. He was pleasing to God. Now, there aren't a lot of references about this gentleman named Enoch, but he was profound because there are only two people that got raptured before the rapture. Can you tell me who the other one was? Elijah. Jesus got a, he is, was resurrected and ascended, but Elijah, who said he wanted, he was so depressed he just wanted to die, actually he never did get to die, <laughs> which I think is awesome. And, uh, but with Enoch, I'm fascinated by this because there's just not a lot written about him. There's some points where he's slotted in in the, in the genealogies, you know, that so-and-so begets so-and-so. Enoch beget Methuselah, beget Methuselah, and that kind of thing. Uh, I think his father was Jared. Uh, and so, but yet, uh, this is fascinating because he lived 365 years. And I kind of like that because in our calendar, we have 365 days, and it kind of has a nice kind of round feel to it, you know? It's kind of amazing that this guy lived that long and that he lived in such a way that God snatched him up out of, out of his human existence into the presence of the Lord. So hold your place. Well, let's just go back to Genesis chapter 5. And um, I want to just show you, this is an Old Testament miracle that is embedded in a kind of a nondescript way. Chapter 5, uh, verse, oh, let's see, 21. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons 
and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Everybody say 365. 365. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. I keep, I keep thinking, beam me up, Scotty. You know, I, I guess I'm a Star Trek guy. But uh, this is better than that. This is authentic. That was science fiction. This is, this is biblical history. And uh, we look at and observe the miraculous, the supernatural, but in the context it is as sort of just simple as this description of him is, there must have been some deep, deep stuff between Enoch and God. He walked with God, and then he was not, for God took him. So he, you know, he bypassed death. So we see walking with God just, you know, my wife has been talking with me about the value of obedience. Uh, what's the name of the guy? Eugene Peterson, the Presbyterian minister who did the uh, Message Bible. He had another book that he wrote in the 80s, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Say that with me. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. See, we human beings get so much inflected on us, so much self-help actualization hype comes on us that we feel like we need extra caffeine, we need a surge of endorphins, we need to be fueled by steroids, we need all kinds of artificiality, and God just wants people to figure out how to just do life and plod in cooperation with heaven, day by day, walking with God, serving God, loving him. You know, at, at Phil Mall's uh, parents' service, he picked the song from uh, Godspell, day by day, uh, day by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things I pray. What are the words? To see you more clearly, to love you more dearly, to follow you more nearly, or something like that, right? And you sing it enough times where you remember it. Apparently, I didn't sing it enough times. And that's why I'm preaching this message, because I want to sing this to you again, drum this back in you, because we're trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And right off the bat, I want to show you that it's possible that, it, that Enoch so pleased God, he was so fascinated by it, he, God, I, you know, he brought him out and bypassed death and brought him close to himself. So we're trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And by studying the supernatural activity documented in the word of God, we see the Lord at work amongst his people. This builds our faith and paints fresh targets for us, giving us confidence and clarity about how God operates and how he, he uh, teaches us to be expectant for miracles. Enoch walked with God and walked closely with God and um, it became so personal to him, so real to him, it being his relationship with the Lord, that it became bigger and more important than anything this earth could have ever presented to him. And so with that, I wanna go back to Hebrews and I want to show you what it says again in Hebrews chapter 11, verse uh, 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. We know, of course, as soon as I say, hey, what pleases God? Most of you will say, faith pleases God. We do know that. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's quoted a lot in this church. It's actually quoted, quoted a lot by a lot of Bible teachers. And you, you've probably pondered this one quite a bit. And without faith... Without reliance on God, trust in God, dependence on God, making him your priority, keeping him central, loving him with all your heart, expecting great results, trusting his promises to come to pass, 
uh, it's impossible to please him. So we, number one, if you're writing notes, having faith and trust in him pleases him. Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So then with faith, it's possible to please him. How do we get faith? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Young people, as you're learning and hearing this preaching, faith is being built in your heart. Incorruptible seeds are being sown in your thinking. Your heart is being fed. Your, your mind is being renewed. And you're figuring out how to take action going forward. So as you mature and grow, these things will germinate and develop in your life, and you'll learn how to please God. And faith pleases God. And these signs are to follow those who believe. This is on men and women. This is on handmaidens and bondservants. This is on the young and the elderly. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Uh, handmaidens and bondservants includes male and female. And all ages, all ethnicities, every nation, tribe, tongue, and dialect, it says in Re Revelation. Uh, you know, there's just everything solved at the cross. Everything is clear in the blood of Jesus. Everything gets streamlined when the Holy Spirit blows in with his fire and his power and that rushing mighty wind. It says here that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And I heard somebody take some liberty with it and not just say he that comes to God must believe that he was. So when I talk about the story of Enoch, it's not the glory days from yesteryear where somebody had a relationship with God that is now unattainable. In fact, if Enoch were here, he would tell us, you guys, you're in a better situation than King David was, than I was, than Adam was, than Moses was. You're in a situation because of what Jesus Christ did and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got something so advantageous, the devil is working overtime to blur and diminish your understanding of it. But we are trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord and faith and trust in God and reliance on him and expectation in him pleases him. Can I hear an amen? amen. So this is what I want to rouse your faith toward. And I think, listen, man. Walking with God where you, your, your walk pleases him, doesn't that inspire you? Don't you want to hear the big five, well done, good and faithful servant? I do. I want to put a plaster, a smile on my heavenly father's face. And this is one of the ways that he gets a kick out of us when we're looking at a desperate, terrible, awful circumstance, but yet we're still going to look to him and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you to work this out. My emotions are depleted. I'm unhappy. This is a terrible report. It's, it's stirred up fear and concern in me, but you've not given me a spirit of fear. You've given me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And God, you've anointed me to conquer. So even though I feel crummy, even though this is terrible, God, you're big and you're faithful. I'm not in denial about it. I'm just denying Satan the right to get up in my headspace and, and occupy my thinking. I put on the helmet of salvation and I cast down these imaginations. My heart trusts in you. Again, according to the scripture, pleasing the Lord is within reach of all of us. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. But because we're trying to learn what pleases him, we know having faith and trust in him pleases him. Remember, Jesus said to the centurion, 
when he, he said, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. I just want you to speak your word over my servant and he'll be healed. My sick servant at home, he's, he's vexed, he's tormented, he looks like he's dying. And Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Faith pleases God. Everybody say, faith pleases God. It's great to have faith. Faith in the, the supernatural aspects of God's nature. Faith in his character. Faith in his ways. Faith in who he is as a person. As you get to know him, you're going to love him. And as you get to know him, you're going to have confidence and assurance that the devil is upset about. He'll try to lie to you on any area of uncertainty. The devil intimidates on areas of uncertainty. That's why we need to be fully persuaded in our own minds. We need to learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We, know how to, uh, learn, we need to know how to feed our faith. I'm going to do my level best to preach under the anointing. I've been praying and preparing. I've been studying. I've been thinking. I've been seeking God. And I'll do my best. You're doing your best to be here and to listen. But I also want to encourage you to study, to show yourselves approved unto God, workmen who need not to be ashamed, handling accurately for yourselves and rightly dividing the word for yourselves. It's important that we encourage one another in the Lord, but did you know David strengthened himself in the Lord? And there's never been a more significant moment than this for that type of learning. We're learning what's pleasing to the Lord, and I'll tell you what pleases God. When you just stand on the promises of God through the garbage of life, there are people in here who have an amazing testimony, who had to, had to overcome being hurt even toward God through the troubles of their lives. And yet there was a staying power. There was a, a revitalization that came. The resurrection power of Jesus got on your situation and lifted you up out of the pit one more time than you fell. He's brought you through your own failures. He's brought you through discouragement. He always causes you to triumph. Hallelujah. And not only is this good for you, but then it comes upon you and into, informs your thinking and, 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 and gives you the structure of, of your, your own understanding, of your own belief system. And then there are people that don't, ha they don't have a, a clear read on who God is. And you might be the only Bible they'll read. The Bible says you and I are living epistles, known and read by all. So God is actually wanting to manifest himself through us. So as we try to learn what's pleasing to the Lord, like Enoch, as we walk with God, he walked with God and then he was not because he was, he was found pleasing to the Lord. We, we want to leave that kind of vapor trail, don't we? We want to leave that kind of footprint. People are concerned about a carbon footprint, but listen, we need to be concerned about leaving a faith imprint legacy that will manifest the glory of God even after we're gone. So... Faith pleases God. Faith comes by hearing God's word. Faith is a daily, confident, reliance, acknowledgement of him. It manifests in our awareness of him, our, our acknowledgement of him. You know, I have faith in God. I have faith that you exist. I have faith that he is, not you were, or you, uh, but you are. And God, you are here. You are a present help in the time of need. You never leave me nor forsake me. Hallelujah. Number two, God is pleased when children obey their parents. Turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. This is another way to please the Lord. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you want to remember that, 
Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn. Isn't that good? Not if you're off carbs. All right. Colossians chapter 3, 3 verse 20. Now it says, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So, children, as you honor your mother and father, it's the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you'll live long on the earth. So I'll expand on that because in fact, when you're a Christian and you're born again, you are all, we are all children of God. So again, you kids under your parents' roof, uh, honor your mothers and fathers, obey them, be respectful. And also fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. We've got to be encouraging as maturing adults. We've got to, kids, you've got to, one of the best ways you could prove your love for God is by being respectful to your parents. And uh, there's a value in that. And I want to encourage you that when you see rebellious people, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. It's overrated. The whole James Dean model was absolutely stupid. I don't know why people idealized the rebel without a cause mentality, the the harshness, the clash between the, the challenging of authority and all that kind of stuff. It's like it's glorified. Well, God really wants us to have a, an honor-based approach toward life and be respectful. And uh, this is one of the ways we could please God. Children, when you obey your parents, God is pleased with it. Children of God, when you obey your heavenly Father, obedience begets blessing. Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But if you're disobedient, you'll be devoured by the sword. There's something about obedience. Everybody say obedience begets blessing. It doesn't cost to obey. People say, oh, the price for obedience. No, no. There's such a prize for obedience. There's not a price for obedience. There's a prize of obedience. And that is knowing you're being pleasing to the Lord, yielding to him, obeying him, serving him, doing what his word says, following the promptings of your spirit, of his spirit, in your spirit. And then kids, obey your moms and dads. This is powerful. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 28 and 29. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 28 and 29. There's a blessing. God likes to, he's pleased with blessing your house. He's pleased with blessing your house. It pleases God to bless our homes. 2 Samuel 7, 28. Look at this. This one's a little different than the others because this is just us being aware that God is pleased with pouring out blessing. It says here in 2 Samuel 7, verse 28, Now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are truth, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to, the, to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing may the house of your servant be blessed forever. God is pleased with blessing. Do you know how I know this? He's a blesser. Do you know how I know this? Genesis chapter 1, the first thing that happened to humanity. After God created us, he said, let us make man, verse 26, chapter 1 of Genesis. Now that you took all that time to find 2 Samuel, now you just say goodbye to it. Now you can move on. 
But, but here's what it says. He says, and let us make man in our, according to our image, our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the fowl, the birds of the air and in uh, the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. And look what happened. Look at the first thing God did to humanity after he made them. What does it say in verse 28? And God blessed them. Listen, we went to a Shabbat dinner in Jerusalem a year ago this month with two wonderful Jewish families, Orthodox Jewish families. And their, their respect for the obedience to the Bible and the, and the Sabbath the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus healed many times on the Sabbath. But God, to be sure, created the Sabbath for rest for humanity. Uh, and it's a holy thing unto the Lord. And they take it very seriously. And they brought this tour group in, and we had this dinner together. And it was beautiful. They sang songs in Hebrew. And what the uh, head of the home, um, he said that what they do is, they lay hands on and bless their kids, and they speak blessing over their kids, and they read from the Proverb 31 and honor their wife. They do that every week in some form, and it brings an assurance. It's a, I heard a rabbi say that this is so central in our Jewish experience. It, it brings us together. It reinforces our and nurtures our identity as Jews, as God's people, and, and brings us back to our hearts, back toward God, and that kind of thing. The idea makes their family strong. And part of that is the blessing over the house. And it pleases God for us to receive his blessings. Right? It's weird. Have you ever had somebody try to compliment you? Oh, well, have you ever tried to compliment somebody, a sincere compliment, not flattery, not overpraise, not sugary, sappy, but where you're really trying to give a compliment and they go, oh, no, no, you know, not, you know, and they try to downplay it. It's like they threw down your gift. It, it pleases God to bless, and it pleases God for us to receive, then therefore receive those blessings. People say, the church is not just a bless me club. Well, it actually is not a, a bless me club, but it is an atmosphere where he does want to pour out his blessing. We are God's house, and he does want to speak blessing over your home, over the, over the body of Christ, over our earthly uh, vessels, that would, our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. He wants blessing to come upon you and overtake you. And it pleases God for you and me to receive, to affirm, man, I am blessed. Blessings follow me. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. As my days are, so shall my strength be. God, your blessing, is a, it, it makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. You're so faithful to me. And also, God wants us to bless and not curse. So God's pleased to bless our homes, you know, he will bless your household. And as he does, he'll fill it. He'll fill it with his presence. He'll fill your, your thinking faculties. He'll fill your, he'll fill your world with his presence, with his, the substance and power of the Holy Spirit. It pleases God to bless our homes. Therefore, it pleases God for us to receive blessing in what he's called us to do. Everybody say, I'm blessed with heaven's best. Number four, here's another one. Praying, believing, and receiving, please God, and obeying his commandments, doing the things that please him. Being a doer of the word is what pleases God. 
not just being a theorist, not just being a hearer only, but being a doer. 1 John chapter 3, let's go all the way back to the, the New Testament, almost to the back by Revelation, and then back up a little bit and go through, you'll find 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to read verse 22 through 23. It says um, something amazing here about what pleases the Lord. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing to him. Do you hear that? Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and look, do the things. Everybody say, do the things. Do, being a doer. Remember Nike commercial, just do it. Uh, James chapter 1 says to be a doer of the word. Take action. Be an action-oriented person. Act on the commandments. Act on the prayer life. Act on worship. Act on giving. Act on being a servant of God. Act like you kids. Obey your parents. Us. Act out. I watched the Jewish men speak in blessing over the household. And I watched everybody participate. I watched the, the women honored and they spoke and they, were, they declared their faith. And, and it was beautiful. It was really something. And uh, that's where we get these things. This is, this, is what, this is what Enoch was walking in. And this is what the early church was understanding. Say, faith pleases God. Obedience pleases God. Blessings please God. And being a doer pleases God. See, which is better, to say you're going to do something and not do it, or not overcommit, but then end up showing up anyway? The last one, being a doer, being a doer. Phil Mall told me that his dad, Rich, he never broke a promise, and then he said, but he didn't make a whole lot of promises. We all laughed, but he wasn't laughing, because what he was saying was his dad was few with his words, and was, whenever he did make a commitment, he would do it. And that it's better to not vow. In fact, I don't vow. I've only, I've got, I vowed when I got saved, I vowed to my wife. That's it. I don't make vows. Uh, people try to corner you and to make a commitment on things. And you just, well, you know, you, you buy some time on that. It's not good to swear. It, you just, it's better just to be a doer of the word, to go through life with a, the discipline of promising little and delivering much. But it pleases God when we do the things that please him. So what are some of the things that please God? Develop our faith. Be, have reliance on God. It pleases God for us to trust him. Praise God for a trusting body of believers that are sober-minded. They're not, they're not brainwashed, but their minds are renewed. They're all in, but they're not lemmings. They're committed to God's ways, but they, they're, they're disciplined thinkers, critical thinkers. I saw Ayn Rand talk smugly, dismissively of religion. I thought, man, you're wrong, lady. Uh, and if you, it's just fascinating, her attitude. Um, just such a smug attitude, like your, your thinking is trustworthy. Well, the humanity's thinking has actually been tainted by the fall of man because she's denying that there's a God or denying that man has fallen fallen, then she's trying to build a construct on something that's false, and she's lived and died uh, teaching these kinds of things. And, you know, I listen to some of these voices from the past that have shaped culture, like, like Friedrich Nietzsche. I mean, he got, he got saddened by his Lutheran father's early passing, then he went to theology school at a time 
when they were teaching in Germany something called higher criticism, which was basically dismantling the value of the word of God. It was just degradation. It was false. It was, it was unbelief. So not only was he hurt toward God from his dad's early death, then he gets false teaching in a, in a seminary, and then he gets a distorted worldview and then dies uh, with insanity. But yet, humanity still espouses his theories. Well, if you just look at the origin of it, you look at the essence of it in both cases, uh, you know, it's, it's just better to go with all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for reproof, for teaching, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Right? The word of God is forever settled in heaven and that the grass will wither and the flowers will fade, but the word of our God stands forever. It's, it's powerful. It, it's it's, it's uh, living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. One verse says it's a hammer. Jeremiah said it was like fire shut up in his bones. It's so important. Joel said, strong is he who carries out his word. God watches over his word to perform it, Jeremiah 1.12. That's why when the... The, the uh, centurion said, speak the word only and my servant will be healed. He knew how powerful it was. Did you know John said in the beginning was the word? The word was with God and the word was God. Hallelujah. Here's another one. Number five, any respectful recognition and acknowledgement we give to his righteous word is well-pleasing to God. That's a long one, isn't it? Any respectful recognition... An acknowledgement we give to his righteous word is well-pleasing to God. I just gave you a litany of what I go over again and again in my head. God's word is forever settled in heaven. His word is all God-breathed. God it's all inspired by God. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. Isaiah 42.21. This is such a good verse. Isaiah 42.21. Faith pleases God. Obedience pleases God. Uh, blessing, receiving blessing pleases God, walking in the blessing. He wants you to be blessed. Look at somebody next to you, smile at him and say, I'm so blessed that you're sitting next to me. You trailed off on that one. Okay, 42, verse 21, Isaiah 42, 21. It says, the Lord was pleased for his righteousness sake to make the law great and glorious. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness' sake to make the law great and glorious. I was at the, the uh, Western Wall in, uh, on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And there were observant Jews praying there. There were young people learning. There were just individuals seeking, sitting, studying the scriptures. And I remember one guy carried in the Torah, a rolled-up scroll that had been hand handwritten by a scribe and as he brought it in on his shoulder he was holding it with reverence and respect and uh, young orthodox Jewish men were going over and kissing it and, and honoring it in just about every home there's a mezuzah at the doorway of their lintel of their house and it contains uh, the scripture hero Israel the Lord our God is one and they uh, they would kiss their hand and kiss it and honor it they honor the word they venerate the word any respectful recognition and acknowledgement we give to his righteous word is well-pleasing to God. 
Learn to honor God's word. Learn to honor the scriptures. Listen, I'm a big believer in having a paper Bible, and here's why. I don't get interrupted with the text. The battery doesn't go out. The, the backlight doesn't go out because it doesn't have a backlight. Um, so we look at it, we study it, we honor it, pay attention to it, and we study it with all we've got, and that pleases God. Pleases God for us to respect, have an honorable recognition, and an acknowledgement of the Word of God. Number six, and lastly, I'm going to call the musicians back up. The psalmist tells us that praising and singing and worshiping the Lord pleases him. Praising and singing and worshiping the Lord pleases him. Psalm 69:30, and we'll finish with this. Psalm 69:30 and 31. So let's go to that. Psalm 69. You guys getting something out of this? What pleases God? What stands out to you? Faith. That's the one we always think of. Have, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. With faith, it's possible to please Him. What else? Children. Obedience pleases God. Uh, does it bless God to bless our houses? Does it please him? He's pleased. The Father is mindful of us. He will bless us. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For example, he tells the early disciples in Acts, Go speak, or Jesus said it in the Gospels, and then they did it in Acts. Go to a house. If it's a house of peace, speak peace to it. If it's a house of peace, it'll, it'll, it'll abide there. If it's not, it'll go back on you, and you keep going your way. You're to be somebody that carries a quotient of blessing. And in fact, here's another thing in today's world. With all the polarity, all the hyper-politicized issues of the day, actually, the Lord's bondservants should not be quarrelsome, but we should be patient. It doesn't say anything about us cursing people. The Bible says, bless those who curse you. We're, we're not, he says, with our mouths we bless the Lord and we curse men that are made in God's image. He said, my brethren, these things ought not to be. Gossip, murmuring, back, backstabbing. It says in, in Titus chapter three, verse two, to speak evil of no man, malign no man. In, in Ephesians chapter five, it says to lay aside malice. Boy, there's a, 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 a precedence right now. Fault finding is being elevated to virtue status amongst uh, journalism. It's like if we could find fault, we're at our highest game. We'll make the best money. If it bleeds, it leads. And man, we can really do something with this. But in the kingdom, it's all about walking in mercy. It's all about walking in kindness. It's all about walking in repentance. It's all about walking in observance of God's ways. Teach us your ways, O oh Lord. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord can help us by learning what displeases the Lord. Sin displeases the Lord, so we want to run from it. Hatred displeases the Lord, so we want to walk in love. You know, disobedience displeases the Lord, so we want to stay in obedience toward God all the days of our lives. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. We're getting ready to sing this song, Psalm 69:30. Let's read this. Let's all stand up on our feet. I'll read this from the New American Standard, verse 30, and then the first part of 31. It says, I will praise the name of God with song and magnify him with thanksgiving. Look what'll happen. 
and it will please the Lord better than an ox. How many of you like to please the Lord better than an ox? Meaning, you know, you could give a whole, an ox offering is like the big, big enchilada of all offerings. I mean, it's not a dove offering or a little lamb offering. An ox is like the size of a sports car. And he said, but I'll tell you what, worshiping and praising God's better than, he loves obedience better than sacrifice. And he says that as we sing praise, come on, it pleases him. As we magnify him with thanksgiving, it will please the Lord. Hallelujah.